1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: The Michael
3: Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie.
4: Thursday morning the 12th of January good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am this is Michael Reid on LMFM yesterday the Ditch website reported that Damien English bought a property in Castle Martin and lived there with his family until 2010 before moving to Kells the Fine Gael Minister the report said had not declared this property as required under the ethics and public office legislation on the Doll Register of Interests Damien English argued, however that under the law he was not required to disclose this information regarding his or her private home as the law says or that of a spouse or civil partner and any subsidiary or ancillary land to such home that is not being used or developed primarily for commercial purposes. Despite that statement from Damien English people before Prophet TD Paul Murphy lodged a complaint with the Standards and Public Office SIPL. Since then however the plot thickened because it transpired Damien English had not declared the property in Castle Martin to meet County Council when he was making a separate planning application in the county
5: Hi there I want to let you know that I have resigned as Minister of State over 14 years ago I made a planning application for my family home in that application some of the information I gave was not correct this was wrong. It's not acceptable. And I'm very sorry for that.
4: Former Fine Gael Minister Damien English, who has resigned in dramatic circumstances, speaking on Twitter. Now let's go to people before Prophet TD, Paul Murphy, who's on the line. And a very good morning to you. And thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Are you surprised that the Minister has resigned?
6: I'm surprised um, at how short a time it took from the revelations coming out. And I do wonder if they've kind of learned something from the Robert Troy scandal, the multiple properties undeclared and so on, where that that resignation really had to be dragged out of them. Whereas here, uh, Damien English has moved quite quickly, I mean, slowly mm. in the sense that this happened in seven days, but quickly in the sense that it was revealed by the Ditch website just the other day, just yesterday, mm. um, to resign to get ahead of it. Um, obviously, he's resigned after it's been published um, and said, sorry, after it's been published as opposed to beforehand. Yeah. But I think he's done the right thing by, by resigning.
4: And it was the Ditch website uh, that reported on Robert Troy uh, as well. The minister has apologised. He says he did wrong and he's resigned. Uh, but he did jump through a few hoops, I, I think, uh, before deciding to resign. Uh, a spokesperson for the minister told the Irish Independent that he had done nothing wrong.
6: That's true. Just just yesterday he was telling the Irish Independent that he was in compliance with the SIPO rules. So I, I, I think it's pretty clear that he broke two aspects of the ethics legislation. One is, just like Robert Troy and a bunch of other TDs, he didn't declare this property on his register of members' interests. The second one, and which is presumably related and even more serious, is that when he applied for permission to build a one off house in October 2008, he declared that he didn't own a house already and a rural house already, which he he did. This was this house. Um, So up until yesterday, they were saying "Mm, I haven't broken any rules, but then it was when Mm. stuff about the planning application came out and um, something important to say because obviously you can be kind of suggest 2008 a long time ago so yeah. 15 well 14 15 years ago now and um, he was a finagale td at the time you know a finagale td lying on a planning application um, it's very very bad uh, behavior bad practice to be engaged in
4: mm. uh, and somebody uh, who would have been very close to it because uh, you had a, a responsibility for housing up uh, to the last uh, change of government
6: Yes, and, and even interestingly, even before that, the the ditch report, but a couple of years before he made this false statement in his planning application, and um, he was saying, oh, you know, if if people lie on their planning applications, the council can tell them like a ton of bricks, this kind of thing. Mm. Um, so he was, the you know, there could be no question of innocently stumbling into this mistake. Um, he owned a property, wasn't entitled to build, to apply under this scheme for a one-off house uh, on that basis, but did so nonetheless and okay. wrongly declared.
4: So, 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 just just explain to us uh, what would have happened had he declared the house in Castle Martin. Uh, he'd have been denied planning permission. Is it? Uh, the, it wouldn't be possible to grant planning permission because he already owned a, a house in rural Ireland.
6: Yes, he, he wouldn't have got permission for uh, the the one-off. Uh, house on that basis. Okay, so I mean, this
4: this really doesn't relate to the property in Castle Martin where he and his family lived up to some time ago before moving to Kells in 2004. He said though that that, fam- that home continued to be uh, a home for use for his family only and for no other purpose uh, and that's why uh, they were arguing yesterday uh uh, people on behalf of former Minister Jamie and English were arguing that uh, it was not in breach of the ethics reg- regulations.
6: Yeah, they they were arguing he didn't need to register it. Um, but the only reason you don't have to register a home is, uh, or a property is if it's your home or if it's a holiday home. Um, but it, it is neither his home, uh, clearly, and he, he declares his home, interestingly, nor is it a holiday home. I mean, it's literally down the road from where he lives. There's no evidence. I know the ditch were up there. They say that there's nobody living here. It's, it's a vacant property. It's presumably been vacant for, for quite some time. Mm. The other thing that didn't make sense in that explanation is that he actually did declare his private home, even though he, he, he doesn't have to declare his his private home. He did declare that. So it didn't make any sense that he was saying he, he did declare his private home but didn't have to declare this other home on the basis that well maybe he stayed in it some time or wasn't rented out or or whatever and um, i mean i do think that that gets to another aspect of like you know things that we're discussing in, in at the moment in mm. the housing crisis is like he's been sitting on a vacant property um, mm. and i think that's it's just like in this circumstance to have a vacant property to just, just sit there whenever like i know there's 200 people who are on the emergency homeless accommodation in, in Meade. There's 4,000 people on the housing waiting list. We know nationally there's a problem. Like, that's that's a scandal. Mm. People should... Over, over,
4: over 70,000 refugees coming from Ukraine alone.
6: Yeah. I mean, we've been making the point that there are 50,000 homes that have been vacant in this space for six years or more. And this presumably actually is, is one of those homes. And, like... Have. We need to have use it or lose it legislation to say to people, look, either you use it, use it as a family home, rent it out, do whatever you want to do with it, or if you don't, the state should step in, should really purchase these to put them to use to allow right. people to be to be housed in them.
4: OK. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the uh, Minister's statement uh, as yet. Uh, it's a very brief statement, uh, and the Minister says what he did was wrong. Uh, it was not up to the standard required. He apologises for failing uh, to declare the property in his application to me, the County Council, but he, he says he, he refused the application made in 2008, and it's clear to him now that he, he failed to inform the Council. Uh, but uh, there's no real responsibility taken here that I, I, I can see. It's not saying, well, I, I knew I <laughs> I was failing uh, yeah. and I did that intentionally, or it's not, on the other hand, it's not saying it was a complete oversight, I didn't realise it.
6: Yeah, I, I think fundamentally this statement is a it's a sorry I got caught statement, um, because he doesn't have any reasonable excuse here. You know, he he cannot plead ignorance it's just not credible whatsoever that he, he was ignorant in this requirement and um, it's very very clear to anyone who applies that this is what they're asking you and um, but in addition the guy was the finnegale tv who was speaking about this issue uh, previously in the doll and um, so he, he did it consciously seems to be clear and um, and then just was quiet about it and didn't say anything about it until it's been published so it's you know it's very poor unethical Bad behavior by a Fine Gael minister.
4: Okay, well. Uh, whatever uh, the thinking behind it was, it, it was wrong uh, and it's resulted result in a resignation. Another resignation uh, for a breach of uh, the uh, ethics standards uh, that are required in public office. Uh, you had taken uh, the complaint to SIPO, uh, which obviously hasn't heard this. But you wonder uh, how many complaints you could take to SIPO or how many... Uh, complaints would be upheld if they were brought to SIPO, if every TD and the doll was to be looked into.
6: Yeah, and, and this is it's become a real pattern, um, particularly with this government. There has been issue after issue. I mean, Rob, in the case of Robert Troy, actually, SIPO have now, it's a very slow process, they're completely under-resourced, um, but they are starting the process of investigation of the complaints of Robert Troy. Um, and I intend to, you know, continue with the complaints against uh, Damien English to have a full investigation to prove that it is a breach rather than this just, oh, I apologise and set aside. Um, But it it speaks to, you know, low standards in in high places, I think is exactly what people do not want to see.
4: Okay, that's interesting. You're going to follow through on it. Uh, What happens if the complaint is upheld? And you'd have to assume it's going to be upheld now, given uh, that the Minister has conceded that he failed to inform the council that it was wrong uh, and not up to the standards required. Uh, so what does that mean in terms of how SIPO will respond to that? Will there be a sanction for Damien English?
6: I didn't really, I mean, the, the truth is that SIPO is mostly toothless in terms of what it can actually do. Um but the significance would be that you would have a clear finding to say that you cannot do this. I mean, that's obvious to me. It sounds like it's obvious to you. It's probably obvious to most of the listeners. But I think it would be useful to have it in black and white that this was a breach of the ethics legislation, uh, including it was two breaches, including not the not registering the the property with on the member of or the register of members' interest.
4: Okay, and that's. Uh... The result of it, the minister has resigned. Minister Damien English has resigned. In other words, as junior minister, he'll remain as a Fine Gael TD for Mead West. It was wrong. It didn't meet standards. And the minister is sorry, apologising for what has happened. Uh, That's Paul Murphy, People Before prophet TD for Dublin South West, who lodged uh, the complaint to SIPO. And as you've been hearing, he's going uh, to pursue that complaint despite uh, the minister's uh, uh, resignation. Uh, A couple of comments coming to us already about this uh, this morning. Paddy Duffy says, if you were cynical, which I'm not, Michael, you might think that the reason he quits so readily is he, he doesn't want any more to come out. Thank you indeed uh, for that. Uh, we'd uh, Sean in Dublin 9 in touch with us as well. He was WhatsApping us and he says, We're not stupid. Mr. English knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, he uh, must have known that it was wrong at the time of the declaration. Will he now be fined or will the council order the demolition of the house? That's an interesting uh, comment indeed, Sean in Dublin 9. Thank you indeed if you have been in touch with us. If not, we'd like to hear from you, and I'll give you the contact details in, in a moment. Uh, but I just want to mention to you, too, that if you're in Terminfeck and, Feck and uh, listening to us uh, this morning, make sure that you're listening after 10 o'clock uh, today because uh, we're going to be speaking to some of your newest neighbours uh, who are living in the Triple House in the village, uh, some uh, 40. Two refugees, forty-three refugees, uh, who are now resident there, will be speaking to some of them, and indeed to the management uh, of uh, the Triple House a little bit later on the programme. And I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised by what you hear, because uh, I went out there yesterday. Great bunch of lads, uh, and uh, great atmosphere actually in the Triple House uh, when I was out there, and was made feel very welcome. But anyway, if you want to make comment on the programme today, as I say, our telephone number is oh four one nine eight three two thousand, and we'd love to hear from you. That's oh four. 1983 2000. Text or WhatsApp 086 658 or email michael at lmfm.ie Michael, michael
0: Reid
4: on LMFM. FM. About a year ago at the end of January 2022, two government ministers, the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, and the Minister for Rural and Community Development, Heather Humphreys, promised action on dog control. Now this followed a horrible sheep kill in the Dublin mountains at the time that caught the public attention and since then hundreds of sheep have been killed by roaming dogs and we've all felt the sense of shock and horror that followed the vicious attack in Enniscorty which left a nine year old boy with life changing injuries.
1: All our thoughts are with um, Alejandro uh, and his family uh, and friends following what has been a horrific ordeal for that young child um, it's, it's quite shocking and I think all of us are very disturbed by what has transpired here and and a degree of anger as well you know um, I don't understand why there's a need to own such breeds such dangerous breeds I think we should go back to the drawing board um, I don't have the full panoply of legislation that's in front of us but I do think we need to go back to the drawing board because what has happened is one child too many now um, and we all have pets uh, there's no need for this, in my, in my view. And it needs to be seriously examined. Um, and I'll revert to the Minister. Um, uh, in respect Thank to this. you and very Whatever much. cross-departmental approach we can take, we should take. First thing is enforcement. And to make sure there's enforcement. Second issue is the whole area what's driving this and why the necessity for it. Thank you.
6: Time is up, Deputy.
4: Taoiseach, at uh, the time, uh, Mjoln Martin speaking in uh, the Dáil there, and he did refer it uh, to the Minister, Charlie McConnelog, specifically, uh, and also heavily implied that some of these dangerous breeds may be banned altogether. But he asked for a review to take place, and this week, the Minister for Agriculture and the Minister for Rural and Community Development, Charlie McConnelog and Heather Humphreys, issued a joint statement saying that they've agreed to establish a working group that's going to examine the issues to do with dog control. Let's speak to Independent TD for Roscommon Galway, Michael Fitzmaurice. A very good morning to you, Michael, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. Were you surprised after all of the attention that this has received that at the end of the process, if you like, we're entering into another process, a working group is being established?
7: Um, well, this is generally if you look at um, a lot of things, in when governments make decisions, where they kick the ball down the road, it's from one thing to another. Um, the working group is done, but they should put a deadline. On, uh, the working group is announced; they need to put a deadline on this, Michael, um, of basically two or three months, um, the way that whatever legislation they are proposing would be brought in before uh, basically the summer, that uh, like which is well doable. Um, I think there's a lot of support right across the political divide, but um, I would agree that there are some um, types of dogs, or some um, say the likes of pit bulls and, and, and mm. s- other dogs like that, that we have to look at to see what's the, you know, how dangerous they are, or is it muzzles that will solve the problem. But I think we have also to be mindful, Michael, that, um, and look, I see it in my own house, we'll be John at home, and, um, the dog that could be in a house and not used to kids in it or whatever, and as nieces and nephews of me own that come in with their children, and a youngster can pull the dog's tail, and next thing you'll see you'll see the teeth gritting or whatever, and that's that's with any breed of a dog. You know, it's not just uh, one type of a dog. Yes, there are the likes of the pit bulls and other types of dogs that are severe, dangerous dogs. But uh, um, on top of that. Um, We need to be mindful as well that nearly everyone around the country does have a a pet, be it a dog or a cat. Um, Mm. We've seen the amount of, and it's shocking to see that child just that evening, but I have seen it in my own area, going back 20 years ago, where a colleague ended up doing the same. Do you know what I mean? Um, Mm. And um, you cannot trust any dog to be quite frank about it mm. if someone pulls the dog's tail like the, as the old saying goes they could bite you yeah. um, and I think that we also need to, if you see and you've brought it up earlier about the amount of sheep um, that have been followed with dogs we need to bring in um, a lot of solutions to this and there has to be, we have to tackle first of all the most dangerous dogs, that's the first thing mm. the second thing is in my opinion when we're um, basically chipping dogs when every dog should be chipped in the country um, we should be DNAing them because that's how you'll get a match if dogs yeah. are are, de- are damaged or go after sheep. Um, personally and this is my view and I'm giving it straight to you um, for farmers at the moment we there was an insurance company, I'm not going to go name it any insurance company but there was like a multi peril farm policy. Your dog can run out on the road, it can damage your care your dog can go after sheep. It can, it could kill them. And in my opinion, there should be an insurance um, with every dog because um, if a dog goes after 20 or 30 sheep at the price of them at the moment, or because we've seen them going up even more, or a pack of dogs, well, you cannot have a farmer and look, at, we have to be realistic as well. Mm. Everyone can have a dog, and they could be minding the dog, 19, uh, na- you know, the, the dog could be minded 99.9% of the time. Mm. You have the lead around the garden, and there's batteries on the thing around their neck, and 10 batteries could go down, and Jesus, they'll take away. They could go down the road. You cannot...
4: Accidents not, can happen. There's no
7: one, there's mm-hmm. no one foolproof, like, yeah. there's no mm-hmm. point in saying we are. Yeah. And we need to make sure that, for the dangerous dogs, yes, we take mm-hmm. every... Every possible scenario, but on top of that, for dogs that are with sheep or going out on the road and need a care or whatever, yeah. you don't want the person that owns it left with a huge bill, or you know, and they own the house or whatever. You don't. I need, think you know,
4: that's a very interesting idea that uh, you uh, put forward there about uh, recording the DNA of the dog yeah. uh, if you wanted to link them afterwards uh, to a sheep killer or something else. Uh, but outside of that, or banning uh, the dangerous breeds or other breeds. Do we need any more legislation? There's an awful lot of legislation in place, isn't there? And I wonder if it's a question of enforcing that legislation.
7: Well, the first thing is that um, you can do a lot of regulation. Do you know what I mean? You don't need... A regulation can be signed in by a minister. You don't need to leave it uh, or push it through the different fields and all Um And I'm sure with the legislation that we have there at the moment, um, that there is room for tightening it up, be it on dangerous mm. dogs or for putting in some of the ideas that I have talked about. um,
4: Take take Gorty for example. I mean, that wouldn't have happened if the law had been followed uh, because nobody... Uh, uh, should be uh, in possession of a dog like that if it's not muzzled it shouldn't be out in public if it's not on a short lead uh, and it should uh, be uh, the owner should be over 18 and it shouldn't be walked by anybody under the age of 16 uh, The
7: the only thing I will say to you and um, I won't go into any Mm. specific case because you don't know what's going on in the line of that The only thing I could say to you, you could have a dog at home and it could be a Bijan freezer, it could be uh, a pit bull, right? Mm -hmm. And you could be 99% of the time when you go walking them, you could have the muzzle on them, um, you could have the leader on them, and everything doing right. There's no person foolproof or no one. I can guarantee there's 100% of the time that the dog will never get away once. Do you know mm. what I mean? In the, in the life of a dog.
4: Well, if, if that's the case and I'm sure it is uh, because these breeds are dangerous and the way some of them lock their jaws uh, and really yeah, do damage yeah. maybe there is an argument to ban them altogether.
7: Well, there could be and I think we need to be weighing that up in the real dangerous ones. Now, there are security dogs as well that's required at business or whatever we have to make sure that they are there because anyone that would be going in um, we know that in a lot of places there's businesses in the yards or whatever might have a dog and um, at night when the yard is closed, the dog will be there and they're injured in the day when, when people are in. Um, like, you cannot go banning and in because obviously there's a reason for them there to protect the property and anyone that's going in at night is doing so of their own accord. Um, but what we need to do is make sure that we cover all the different angles. Um, but I think that a few measures that I'm talking about in the line of the DNA, and like every dog now has a chip on them. You'd like or well, 99% mm. of dogs, I'm not saying every dog would have a chip on them. And when you're chipping them, it should be well possible to do the DNA on them. That's mm. the first thing that would solve a lot of the sheep situation. On top well, of and that,
4: what if they're not chipped? Sorry for interrupting you, but what if they're not chipped? Because well, I, think, I think I think it's a minority of irresponsible owners. I think most you know, people are, are responsible. Isn't
7: chipped, yeah. If a dog hadn't chipped, Michael. Um, the dog should be impounded, simple as that. And what about
4: um, the owner? Should the owner be banned from owning a dog? I mean, if
7: they well, can't look, take responsibility... You can, responsibility, the haven, you can yeah. give them maybe first time, hmm. no, second time, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't go the heavy hens There's way.
4: And it's the same, um, though, I, with I, dogs roaming. I, I mean, I'm sure it's the same in Roscommon and Galway as it is here, but if you walk around the Cooley Mountains, you'll see dogs on the loose everywhere. And in, in some circumstances, the owners just don't care.
7: Well, the, the, the need to start um, basically uh, waking up and smelling the roses, what's going on, because we cannot, we have to try and prevent a situation that's happened, uh, and I'm not saying that this happened everywhere around the country, what's happening in the car, that we have to mm-hmm. prevent what's happening with sheep. And people should understand that this time of year, especially, um, with yours heavy in lamb, that Lord God, you need to make sure that you watch that the the, the sheep aren't, mm. or that dogs don't get at sheep. But on top of that, a point you brought up earlier um, is about policing it. Well, look at Michael. With the best will in the world, you're not, with all the dogs that's in the country. You're not going to. We're not able. To, if you look at different road traffic offences, <laughs> we're not able to. Basically, control it, and there's a lot of law there. Not a mind to go saying that we'll be everywhere at every time in looking at a dog or seeing a dog. There are things we need to bring in um, to make sure that we tighten this up as much as possible and still make it workable for the simple reason we have to recognize as well that the people around this country. A dog is basically a person's best friend in of a course. lot of cases. Oh yeah, and, oh, absolutely, a great company. And I think we should be mindful of that as well. Yeah,
4: but the dogs uh, who uh, are upsetting people, or worrying sheep, or attacking people, uh, are, are being neglected, uh, and it's the owner's fault. It's not the dog. Uh, well, it's I, the owner. I don't
7: actually, I don't actually agree with you there. I've seen instances where people would have a dog in their house, and the dog would be minded, looked mm. after, the finest. And I've seen it, and okay. there's no point, it does, the dog might wander off with another dog, and next thing they could go at sheep. You never, mm-hmm. you yes, could well, never, like, there's no point in saying we're foolproof in any of this. Well, they
4: are animals, but I mean, take something uh, a lot more basic, uh, and if, if you look at a, a dog using the footpath as a, a toilet, nothing wrong with that. The dog has to go. And nothing wrong with picking it up. Very simple to do. Uh, It doesn't take a second to do it. Uh, And any responsible dog owner picks up after them, but some don't.
7: Yeah, well, in fairness, there's there's legislation there to, um, basically, for anyone that's caught it, but no more than what I talk about, Road traffic and every other law that's in the country. There's no one going to be walking behind everyone that has a dog and saying, "Jesus, I'm going to nap you out." You mm. know that's not going to happen. No, I, mean, I know. But if, if you did,
4: if, if you did a street a week, let's say, yeah, and, and yeah. every time you caught somebody, find them a thousand or two thousand euro, put it on the front of the paper, or uh, took the dog off them, uh, barred them from having dogs, whatever. If you took some drastic action uh, to get people to think about well, what they're doing, no
7: more than, no more than we're. The speed and black spots. Yeah. There's probably also dog black spots for what you're <laughs> yes. after uh, mentioning. Yeah. And yes, you could do that in the line of uh, being there, watching it, or whatever. Um, those, those are things that can be done. But they, but we'll look at we have to put things in context as well. Mm. Um, if the dog litter is in a place, um, it's the the offence compared with some child getting their face bitten or get or some person with their sheep mm. um basically destroyed. Do you know what I mean? It's a fair difference compared. It's a livelihood destroyed mm. in one place, and it's a life really damaged in another place. Yeah. And we need to make sure that we nail this down once and for all. And I, I think that yeah. the minister needs to do that.
4: And I think it's very traumatic as well when uh, there's sheep kills like that. It really can have a terrible impact. Well, look on
7: it, it's not alone the ones that's killed. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. and like I've seen Williams, it. Yeah. I saw last year mm. in an area that mm. I know well, and it's not alone the the, the sheep that uh, have been attacked. It's the other sheep that would be heavy in lamb mm. that will sling lambs, and they're never the same. They're yeah. frightened, no mm. matter what happens.
4: All right. Michael, we'll leave it there for the moment. Uh, we'll watch what this working group uh, reports on and what recommendations they make. But thank you indeed for joining us, as always. No, That's no problem, Mike. Always Thanks. a pleasure. Thank you. Independent TD for us, Common Galway, Michael Fitzmaurice.
0: Michael Reed on LMFM.
4: Now, if you're paying your property tax by cheque, debit card, credit card, or in cash, your property tax is due today. We're going to speak now to Jerry O'Connor, Finnegale, Councillor on Meath County Council. A very good morning to you, Jerry. Thanks for joining us on the programme. And we'll talk about that in a, a second. But we're all waking this morning to the news that Damien English has resigned as a Minister of State. I'm sure there's a, a lot of surprise and shock in Finnegale locally.
5: Look, I'm very disappointed, Uh, but I've been friends to to Damien, he's he's one of the hardest working ministers I know, Uh, and he's he's admittedly made a mistake, Uh, I don't know the details of it, I was just as shocked as you are, Uh, but I think he's made the right decision, Uh, and I I, I will continue to support him as a colleague, uh, because I know his heart's in the right place, and he's worked so hard for County Mead, and for Mead West in particular, since the time he was elected. So it is a shock.
4: Okay. Uh, most people will pay their property tax uh, in March uh, through a lump sum in their bank, uh, through their bank accounts. Uh, but a, a lot of people do to pay it today. Is there any confusion about that?
5: Yeah, well, there is. I mean, if you, if you set up a direct debit, uh, you, you, get, you get that extra time that it goes through in March. But if you pay by the other other methods, I mean, there's just various ways of paying. But obviously, I pay mine, believe it or not, just through, through my wages uh and it's deducted every week and that's that's an easy way of paying this it, because it smooths out over the year. You can pay it by by credit card but it will be taken straight away uh so if if you uh, if you if you opt for the direct debit which gives you certainty you only have to offer it once and it it'll go through on an, an automatic basis uh you get that leeway out for March.
4: okay what is it for
5: local properties uh, tax uh, initially when it came in well, first of all where it came from, first of all. There's always this perception that it's the government putting an extra tax. Part of the deal with the TRICA and the bailout when the TRICA were here, was that we they looked at our, our economy and where we could actually bring in more revenue because the country was bust. And one of the things they noticed is that there was since 1977 a rate, rate had been abolished and so there was no contribution towards services uh, from local authorities coming directly from taxation, and they they strongly suggested, and you may remember at the time we were in, we were in an awful state, yeah. uh, the introduction of a property tax, which is the norm in every other OECD
4: country. All right. Well, we so, were on the brink of going bankrupt as a, a nation yeah, after yeah. the banks collapsed and uh, the economy was sinking into the sea. Uh, and we were told that if we didn't pay property tax... Bombs um, to go off. What?
5: But they were threatening that if we didn't force if we the bondholders, right, yeah. bombs would go off.
4: Yeah, the president of the ECB said that to Michael Noonan, the minister for yeah. finance at well, the well, time, if he burned the bondholders. But we were told that the lights wouldn't go on on our streets, the parks wouldn't be open, the libraries would close. Uh, uh, but it seems as though that argument uh, has never won over uh, because there's a survey of 1,200 people that is being published this week by Taxback. dot com, and eighty percent want it abolished.
5: Okay, and I can understand that. Uh, I can understand that nobody wants to pay property tax because it, 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 people feel it's a double taxation. And I think uh, it, it was missold in the beginning. First of all, it was introduced as a household charge, which was the, the, put on us by 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 the troika to introduce property tax later on. So in 2012 we paid a 250 a flat rate for everyone household charge, and in 2013 the property tax came in. Uh, over the years, uh, obviously I, I, I'm a senior councillor and I'm proud of it, and I'm a member of, of the senior party. And our policy in senior is obviously to put money back in your pocket where we can, and we want to build up our communities where we can. That's that's our party values, and so when we sat down for the first budget as councillors. When, the, when we the new term, the, the first time the council had to make a decision about local property tax was in two thousand and fourteen uh, and we were newly elected uh, councillors in two thousand and fourteen and we sat down and said, "Well look, all this money can 't go straight into the coffers of Mead county council. We want the percentage of it. It was four hundred and eighty thousand to be spread among each councillor in each m d so they could bring services." Directly to small groups who don't qualify for other funding. The likes of our tidy towns, the active first responders and people like that, mm. so that we could help them there. So we were determined as members that while this money was being, was being levied annually, that there would be some payback to our constituents on an annual basis.
4: And others, and therein lies the problem. Why is it called local property tax if you pay your tax in Mead and on occasion, it'll go to provide services in Leitrim, or God knows.
7: Yeah, well, I'd agree with
5: you on that. I mean, what what, what happened was that when they looked at the at, at the country from a local property tax, they, prior to that, the, the local authorities were funded by local government funds. When they looked at it, they put in this twenty uh, percent, which had to be taken out of the wealthier counties uh, and distributed to those counties who didn't have the population to to give them the level of services that they would they should get. Mm.
4: Now, so, so, now, this, so, that, that, so in Leitrim, the tax is local. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you also oh, no, get listen, tax from, from outside we, we, of the locality. Thought,
5: as members, we fought about this. We yeah. fought this mm. with, with, with government for years. And we won. Because uh, this year, we've 100% of the tax uh, allocated to Mead County Council. 100%. Mm. But just to put into perspective, it was missold in the beginning. It said it was going to fund local authorities. The reality is. For a budget of 186 million this year in 2023, 14.7 million of that comes from local property tax, which is about 7.9%. The rest of our funding comes from central government by way of grants and from our commercial rates and from our services. So the reality is it, it, it was the perception was that once you paid your local property tax, your local authority was funded. That isn't the case.
4: All right. Well, if you're paying the case. if you are paying by check, debit card, credit card or cash, your payment is due today. Uh, and uh, I think everybody ends up paying whether we want it abolished or not. Uh, revenue so being, you really don't have yeah, a choice. Since yeah. it, it was uh, policed by revenue. Jerry, we have to leave it there. Thank you, though, for joining us uh, this morning. Much appreciated. As always, Gerry O'Connor, Fine Gael Councillor on Meath County Council. Michael,
0: Michael Reid
4: on LMFM. A group of uh, 43 refugees seeking international protection in this country are being housed at uh, the former restaurant, the Triple House in Termanfecken, England County Loud. There has been some concern locally. Most people it seems have questions but are, are satisfied as things stand but they'd like those questions to be answered. There is a small number of people locally who are concerned uh, about uh, the situation and they've made that known very clearly, I think, on Facebook. Uh, that Facebook page uh, has also been joined by quite a lot of people from outside of uh, the area. Some of uh, the right-wing groups uh, that are stirring up anti-immigrant sentiment have uh, been making comment and joining this group and, indeed, spreading a lot of false information and lies about the residents in Terman Feckham. To find out who these people are, what type of people they are, uh, and how they'll integrate into our community. Uh, I was in the Triple House yesterday.
2: I think they should all be welcome, you know. As, like I said before, they're not bad people. They're trying to contribute to the community, you know. At least, like, some of them are going to community groups, volunteering for groups, just to help the community, really. Do people have anything to be concerned about? What would you say to
4: the few people who are a little bit worried?
2: They should have nothing to be worried about at all. You know, like I've been with the lads the last four weeks and all of them are all gentlemen. They all have manners, you know. They respect their surroundings and environment. So to all the people in 20th there should be nothing to worry about about the refugees in the Triple House.
4: Right, that's the manager in the Triple House at the moment, Bash. We'll hear more from Bash later on. We'll hear from some of the residents, some of the refugees later in the programme as well. And I think you will be pleasantly surprised when you hear how nice these guys are and how much they want to become part of uh, the local community. But uh, let's speak to, to local Sinn Féin TD, Rory Murcú, who's on uh, the line. And a uh, very good morning to you, Rory Murcú, and thank you indeed for joining us. Uh, there's a, a number of protests taking place across uh, the country today in Dublin and in Kildare. They're being monitored closely uh, for... Um, some of these sinister elements by Gardaí. Are you concerned about some of the things that are being said about the residents in Chairman Well,
8: look here, I'm always concerned in relation to um, commentary because here there's an awful lot of negative commentary in general in relation to the whole asylum process, whether we're talking about people from Ukraine who are coming here under temporary protection or people that are fleeing like Syria and coming here under international protection. Look we've we've seen on the news and unfortunately on social media some of these protests and while people might have worries and while people might have um Might believe that they weren't communicated with properly, and even cases where they have particular issues in the sense of the services that aren't available and the housing crisis and all the rest of it. The difficulty with all these protests is that there ends up being a cohort of people that just start shouting and screaming, get them home, you know, send them home, and there's literally no element of nuance. Or anything about it, and um, I, I'm sure that there are people who have showed up at these events because they may have had their worries. And I imagine mm. I'd like to think that they wouldn't have shown up the second time. It's because also because they're worry. listening.
4: They're also listening to fascists uh, who are saying these things on the internet. Uh, some of uh, these racist white right-wing groups, uh, some of, of whom. Uh, are ambitious politicians it it would seem. I'm not sure who in their right mind would vote for any of these people but they are ambitious politicians uh, and think that maybe uh, this will uh, gain some support from them. And there seems to be a, a, a very intentional effort Uh, to get votes that would traditionally go to Sinn Féin. We see that at many of uh, the protests with uh, placards of Mary Lou MacDonald and people saying, where is Sinn Féin now? Uh, I see uh, on this Facebook page uh, in Termin Fekin uh, that each of the local reps have been named and invited to a public meeting that was to take place uh, on Saturday of this week. That, that meeting has been cancelled, by the way. Uh, I think if people knew the reasons for why it was cancelled, they wouldn't want to associate themselves with this campaign. But anyway, that's been cancelled. But when it was being planned, uh, it, it, there was a post there saying that because Sinn Féin is going to be in government the next time around, they want to see what Sinn Féin is going to do about it. Uh, and again, it seems to be part of that political campaign uh, to win votes off off Sinn Féin uh, for people uh, who may agree with uh, some of this right-wing motivated action.
6: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos,
4: activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part?
8: Well, there's no sure thing in relation to Sinn Féin being in government the next time. Obviously, Sinn Féin will, will campaign on that basis that that's what we want to see because we want to see dealing with all the crises that we're dealing with at this and and time. Um, yeah, look, on some level, people may think that we are a worthwhile target from where they're coming from. And I, you've already said, unfortunately, there's a huge amount of disinformation. The Internet is not good. I, I can't tell you the amount of people that sometimes contact me and say, I'm not on Facebook myself, but I heard that. And then they're explaining something that they heard toward hand that you have no way of verifying one way or the other. Um, and and that's that's a particular difficulty, and that's why communication needs to be uh, needs to be better. Look, Sinn Féin is a left-wing party. Sinn Féin has always had an internationalist dimension. Sinn Féin is absolutely one hundred percent anti-racist. So I I don't think anybody is any in any doubt in relation to any of those sets of circumstances. Now, Sinn Féin has represented communities that have not been well represented within this state across this island. I think that's another thing people are absolutely sure yeah. on. And here we are talking to people who haven't had the services, that haven't had the health service, that haven't had the housing service, that haven't had what all that is needed within a society. And we will continue to push for that. And yeah, we are dealing somewhat with Problems as well created by a government that has done an insufficient amount of planning. Like we've already heard, even on uh, the, in the media today, about the fact that government needs to change tack in relation to dealing with the accommodation crisis as regards. Uh, dealing with people who are in international protection Mm. and people who are in temporary protection. But I I imagine this is something we all would have thought about from a point that should have been done at an earlier stage. But we are where we are now and we need to deal with this. We also need to deal with the huge level of issue we have as regards the accommodation crisis. Mm. Um, And like that is creating problems across the board. Like we've always said um, in relation to people who come here, particularly that's international protection, what people are, you know, would call asylum seekers, refugees, there is a process. It all needs to be resourced, it needs to be done as quickly as possible. And myself and every other elected rep, we spend half the time in Leinster House talking about the fact that we don't have positions filled in our health service. In relation to bus drivers, in relation to any possible job you can think of at this point in time. Uh, And we we probably need, and the fact is, we know that the likes of the HSE, if we're talking about uh, speech and language therapists or we're talking about psychologists or anything else, is actually at the minute trying to recruit abroad. So I think we have to also put that bit of the jigsaw together because I think there have been. Major, major failings to date.
4: And there's, that's the reality. There's, people a, there, also there's a mantra, sorry, there's a, a, a mantra uh, that we're hearing quite a, a lot uh, about uh, some of uh, the refugee or the asylum seekers who were seeking refuge, who were seeking international protection, like the young men in uh, the Triple House in Termin Fekin. And people say, they're not Ukrainian. They're men. They're not women. And why aren't they at war? Um, we're going to hear from some of the men who are not Ukrainian, obviously aren't women, and why they aren't warm, why they're fleeing terrible situations uh, a little bit later on in the programme. But now that they're in term Fekin, they really want to become part of the community. Uh, And I think when people hear uh, the uh, asylum seekers speak a, a little bit later on the programme they'll appreciate they're very nice people and they probably have a, an awful lot to offer to the local community but we'll just hear once a, again from Bash the manager of uh, the Triple House uh, I was talking to him yesterday about the opportunity for the young men in Triple uh, House in Tarramon Facken uh, because they're in such a great part of the world, uh, and uh, the opportunity for Chairman Fekin as well. Maybe uh, they could get involved in local sports groups.
2: Well, there's a local astro around the corner from us, so hopefully the committee will give them a few slots, you know, free of charge, so they can have something to do. And we'll try to get them in a few, probably, because a few of them do boxing, cricket, try to get them into the gym, swimming, probably even cycling, you know, whatever they're into. We'll, we'll try to accommodate them, and hopefully the local community can accommodate us as well.
4: Okay, so local clubs could help that yeah, way. Clubs, yeah. What else can local people do to help?
2: Um, well, at the moment, you know, we would like probably some donations for clothes As some of them came with, like barely, like nothing, you know. So probably clothes would be probably the main thing for them if anyone wants to donate, so like St Vincent de Paul or any other charities.
4: Well, Bash, thanks very much for having us. I uh, have to say, as I said earlier on, the atmosphere in here is really laid back. Uh, it's lovely. All the guys seem very nice. Uh, very placid, it has to be said uh, and uh, very laid back and they all seem very comfortable uh, and it's nice to see them making this their new home.
2: Yeah, look, Like, like I said, like the people to affect them should have nothing to worry but like I said, they're all well mannered and there will be no trouble around the area as like I said, they want to contribute to the environment and the community and there's nothing more I can say really.
4: Yeah, that's Bash uh, who's managing the Triple House uh, at the moment. Uh, I was thinking last night I might clear out some old clothes and uh, take them over to Tribble House later on. Uh, I was actually thinking as well, uh, Rory, uh, I think of a, an old table tennis set at home, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, maybe local people uh, would think of, of what they could do to help these people uh, and help them to become part of the community because that's very much what they want.
8: Yes, and, and look here, uh, if, I, if I talk, even in a Dundalk context, and I talk about any time there have been issues. We have a particular issue in relation to people who are international protection, some of which have been given permission to stay in Carroll Village, that need to be, and um, that are, there's a need for a temporary move in relation to upgrading accommodations and all the rest of it. And um, we obviously have the Ukrainians who are in, in the current plaza. And see the amount of third parties, of local people, of you know, uh, of groups and community groups and residence groups that approached me on their behalf because of their engagement with the community, with educational institutions and all And all of it has been very positive. So I don't see why that wouldn't necessarily be the case with, mm. with these people. Now, that's not to say, because um, in fairness, myself and Alda Munster, you know, I'd have people who would have come to us and would be looking information what are the long-term oh, yeah. plans mm. and all the rest mm. of it. And it's not always forthcoming. Um, from the government, so that's something that d- does need to happen. But I, I think all that what you're talking about as regards integration is very, very important. And here's the other thing: an awful lot of assumptions are made in relation to all these individuals. And in some cases, some of these people have left absolutely hellish situations, and some of them have left um, some of them have left family behind. And the fact is, um, men do suffer from oppression mm. and repression. Men can be in danger. And there is this big thing about of, you know, of military age or you know a, a sort of uh, and
4: they're, and they're not vetted uh, I tell you I vetted I have vetted some of the people on these Facebook pages and I wouldn't want them living beside me I, I'd have no problem living beside uh, the fellas in triple house uh, and on that note when it comes to these right-wing fascist racists who are stirring up this anti-immigrant sentiment Uh, We've seen terrible protests outside of places where people are now living, telling them to go home uh, with the national flag, uh, which is is a disgrace. Uh, And you'd wonder uh, if something should be done to stop that. Type of intimidation? Should there be safe zones like the zones that we're talking around abortion centres? Uh, should there be laws from people uh, desecrating the national flag in the way that they have as a symbol of hate? Uh, as I said before on the programme, I've seen it used in a way that I could only remind you of the swastika in the 1930s, the way it's been used to intimidate people.
8: Well, like uh, I think I said to you before, Michael, obviously the, the tricolour is far, far from the swastika and while people may misuse it in situations that I or you wouldn't like, I'm not sure we can necessarily come up with a set set of rules in relation to that I think the vast majority of Irish people do not like this, the mantra or the particular actions that are taken by these right wing groups, if we can improve the communications to communities and all the rest of it I think we can take an awful lot of detention away, I think it's very important that if we can have as you say, a decent level of integration and communication between groups that are in here fleeing war and all sorts. Um, and local communities I think that all can be very positive and like anything else we are inbuilt on some level to be afraid of those that are different from us it's mm. it's how we survived over tens of mm-hmm. thousands of years
4: <laughs> I am very. Have- I'm, I must say I'm very different from some people in this country No, no, it's no, n- no, it's, no I mean it's, I mean, it's, it's not the people, it, people I know it's not the people in the triple house I'm very different from I see uh, a lot of similarities there I'm very different from uh, these people who take it upon themselves to talk about our ireland for the irish and uh flying the no, national no, I, flag and asking I, people to go home to war zone
6: areas i
8: i i, I accept that michael and mm. what i'm saying is that's something that we all have to check you know we all have to and usually when you meet people and you're introduced to them you know fears dissipate that's okay. just the reality and
4: me, sorry
8: no i no, i'm saying but if obviously you're if you're out there trying to foment hate and whatever else that doesn't necessarily suit you So, therefore, they are the people that we need to absolutely Mm. counteract. Now, that doesn't mean that here I'm looking to get engaged in. Online communications with some of the with, with some of these people, you know what I mean. Mm. I have no problem with people that have particular issues and worries course, and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it mm-hmm. who who communicate with elected reps. But I'm not interested in having conversations that generally enter into the frame of unchecked immigration and all the rest of it. Not accepting the reality of the mm. world we live in, where we need a certain amount of people to come here to do an awful lot of jobs that we don't have a sufficient mm. population okay. to actually deliver upon. All right. On
4: simple things. Okay, well listen we'll uh, meet some of the residents of uh, the Triple House and we'll have conversations with them before the programme ends uh, this morning but thank you indeed uh, for speaking to us Rouria Murco, Sinn Féin TD for Loud and De Smeath.
0: Michael,
4: Michael Reed on LMFM. LMFM. Darren O'Rourke, Sinn Fein TD For me, the East is on the line. We've got a number of issues uh, to discuss. Thanks for joining us, as always, uh, this morning, Darren. Before uh, we talk uh, about uh, the M3 or indeed what's happening in the North, uh, for that matter, uh, can I ask you about uh, the big issue locally, indeed nationally, today? Uh, three ministers in the county a senior minister who's on maternity leave, two junior ministers, and one of them has just resigned. Uh, is Damien English's resignation a good thing or a bad thing for the county from your perspective? Particularly when you think uh, about uh, the concern that there is about Our Lady's Hospital in Avon.
3: Well, I think um, it was. It appears that it, it it was inevitable, um, given the the the, the circumstances. Um, I think, like others have have said this morning on, on your show and elsewhere, it it was the right decision and it was was taken quickly, and this um, raises a number of issues in terms of, you know, standards in public office and the, the standard that public representatives uh, should uphold. Um, also in terms of, you know, the, the, uh, like the, m- my first thought in relation to it was, you know, the amount of people uh, who are very frustrated with um, being refused planning for one-off housing in County Mead for a range of reasons and to see... Um, almost a, a, a different approach taken uh, by by a senior politician senior uh, a minister in the county at a time when we have a housing crisis i think that's you know that that will be very frustrating for for people um on a, on a personal level you know i, I get no satisfaction f- from that i know it's, it's bound to be uh, difficult for 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 damien english and he and uh, he has a lot to con- contend with but there are. We have responsibilities as as public representatives, um, certainly as, as as ministers and, and junior ministers. Um, I y- you'll not be surprised, Michael, in terms of uh, you know I, I differ very men- fundamentally uh, with 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 Amy English on on a range of issues, and, and including I would say um, on the future of of Navan Hospital, on the future of so many things in relation to, to County Mead. So I, I would make that point. Um, but as a general rule of, of thumb, you know, a county is better to have have ministers and junior ministers than than, than it's not. But uh, I think fundamentally we have, you know, uh, I I would say. It's a change of government we need, rather than a change of of ministers and junior ministers. The same thing I said before Christmas when we when we had had the reshuffle. But I think there are, you know, I think Damien English made made the right decision in, in, in standing down and doing it doing it quickly, um, and I think uh, uh, it, 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 uh, it, it was the right decision.
4: Okay. Uh, Talk to me about the M3 and indeed the Limerick Tunnel. Uh, We know if there's not enough cars on the roads, uh, they don't obviously uh, raise as much through tolls. Uh, But if they don't raise what's expected to have been raised, that's compensated. The government pays by contract. Uh, But we've had the... Uh, and indeed, you raised this as a, an issue uh, at the end of last year, but we've had uh, the controller and Auditor-General say that the contracts don't cover medical emergencies. And I, I gather there's this prospect now that because there were fewer cars on the road as a result of COVID, that maybe there wasn't the need to pay over this compensation
3: yeah so that's an issue that that has arisen, and we spoke about this before so these are bad bad deals only can come back to your earlier point michael you know uh, we've had transport ministers in county mead um you look at our transport infrastructure it's it's far short of of what the people of mead want or deserve and and uh um and it seems to be cause, uh, costing a, a huge amount uh, in in terms of of delivering on on the existing infrastructure and and we can see because of the the nature of the contracts for this traffic guarantee, um, so guaranteed income for the for, for for the M3 operator, regardless of if if, if nobody uh, travels on it, um, and that has cost the, the the taxpayer in the region of 11 million euros in the last 10 or 12 Euro, years. cost six million euros uh, since since 2020. Um, we see reported in the papers yesterday um, with reference to the parliamentary replies that I received around the, the, the traffic guarantee costs for the M three and the Limerick tunnel, um the two roads that it applies to, that the controller and auditor general is suggesting that because of the unique set of circumstances around the the pandemic, and um, that the state may have had a, a case for um, avoiding those uh, uh, those traffic guarantee costs, so that's something we're, we're definitely going to pursue. Um, it, it's an issue that did come up with uh, at the Public Accounts Committee. I know my colleague uh, Matt carty had raised it, and I spoke to him yesterday in relation to it. So it is an issue we're going to pick up on. I know you <laughs> Uh, that the Department of Transport have a very different uh, opinion in relation to it, and this, and they are of the opinion that look, these contracts are are uh, gold-plated, Fianna Fáil contra- uh, contracts, in my words, but very strong contracts that uh, w- that that doesn't provide that out, if you like. Um, so there's a, a difference of opinion there, and that's a difference of opinion that that we're going to pursue and scrutinise and see if 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 there is a an opportunity to. To, to return some money for, to, the, to the to the taxpayer.
4: Okay, can I ask you about what happened at Stormont yesterday? I think everybody of every political sway, whether it's Sinn Féin or Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Labour or others, uh, felt that what happened was not just wrong, uh, it, it was something other than that, uh, and your party leader has described it as a snub, uh, which sounds about right, Uh, The Taoiseach and the Thalyshire are both in Northern Ireland. Uh, Do you think that they should try to put manners on James Cleverly today? Uh, Because he refused to accept Mary Lou MacDonald into a meeting uh, as the leader of your party when he was meeting with the five main political parties in Northern Ireland.
3: Okay, I I think it's really important that we maintain focus here and that... uh, Um, I don't know the basis of of what happened yesterday. Uh, Mary Lou Macdonald described it as bizarre and unprecedented and the the, the actions of of the British government as as, uh, petulance. And and I think that's a a fair assessment. Uh, I think we, you know... uh, all of politics in the North, since the Good Friday Agreement, agreement has been about mutual respect and parity of esteem, and that has to be the basis of of, of moving forward. Um, you know, Sinn Féin is not going to engage in in games. Um, we have a very serious job of work. We have a very strong mandate in the north and right across this this island. Um, you know, there was reference to to diplomatic uh, protocols. We know that isn't the case. We know the Irish government say that, you know, they, they wouldn't have had any issue with, with a meeting happening yesterday with Mary Lou MacDonald's involvement had they been asked. Um, I, You know, we can speculate uh, what, what, uh, what motivated it. Was it a stop to the DUP in advance of, you know maybe some difficult decisions in the time ahead for them or difficult times in the time ahead for them. I don't know. Uh, But, but for me, it's, it's British government playing games. They've, you know, hundreds of years of, of playing games in the North of Ireland, um, It's it's a matter for Sinn Féin of maintaining focus on the job at hand, and that's around getting the institutions back up and running. It's about addressing the protocol. Uh, It's about uh, um, a citizens' assembly on Irish unity and uh, working in good faith with with partners and communities uh, right across the north and right across the island.
4: All right, we'll leave it there for the moment, Darren. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. We'll be hearing a lot more, I think, from Northern Ireland over the course of uh, the day. Darren O'Rourke is Sinn Féin TD for Meath
0: east Michael, Michael
4: Reid on LMFM. Now let's meet uh, some of uh, Terman Fekin's newest residents. Uh, I met a, a man there yesterday with uh, a name... Well, it was very foreign to me, certainly a name I, I wouldn't be familiar with, uh, but we sat down and had a, a good chat in the Triple House. Ismail. Ismail. Ishmael. Okay. Well, Ishmael, Uh thank you for uh, allowing me to come into your new home here in the Triple House in Thurman Uh I have to say the atmosphere in here is very nice, and I know that there's a lot of people in the village who Are a little bit concerned because this happened all of a sudden, that a lot of men arrived uh, at one time. Maybe you'd tell me a a little bit about what's happening here at the moment. How many men are here in the Triple House at the moment?
9: Uh, At the moment, uh, I think it will be uh, 40, 43 people uh, in here. And uh, talking about the surrounding and the people in here, people have been so welcoming to us. Like uh, the we we hear the words they have been talking. So uh, they they have been uh, so much concerned about us. What we do, if we are good, everybody is good to us. If we are bad, obviously uh, it will have uh, the the reaction. Uh, uh, it will be a bad reaction if we are bad ourselves. Okay, can I ask you what age you are? I'm twenty five years old.
4: Okay, so you're a very young man. Uh, as would seem to be the case with a a lot of uh, the men here. Uh, Some of them are uh, no more than boys uh, uh, and um, everybody seems very relaxed. Are you getting on well with everybody?
9: People are, here are family friendly, like uh, the, the, the management, uh, the Irish people, uh, they are being so friendly and uh, so polite to us. And the people, uh, we are from different countries living here. We don't feel like we are from different countries, but we, 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 we now, after spending some time with each other, we are like, you know, like family.
4: Yeah, because it's not a lot of time. You're really only here a couple of weeks, and I was speaking with uh, the management, and I'm really getting a sense of community in, in here. Would that be a fair assessment?
9: living in in a living in a community you have to adopt the culture and the, you have to know how the people talk with each other how they they interact with each other so we we, we are getting used to it and we, we really like how the country is how their people are
4: yeah, well, you're very lucky, I think, uh, to be in Terminfecken. It's one of the nicest corners of Ireland. It really is a, a beautiful village full of beautiful people. And I know that most of the people in Terminfecken are very welcoming. Uh, some of them are concerned. They have some questions, and maybe we can address some of those questions uh, as we continue our conversation. Uh, but uh, tell me a, a little bit about your background uh, and where you come from.
9: I come from Afghanistan. Uh uh, we have been from a country that has been in war from 43 long years. Like, uh, uh, I, I, I don't think any country right now in the world is facing what we have faced, what we have seen in the country, what we have been through. So I, I got the chance. I had to escape the country. And now I'm looking for a better future for myself, my my, my wife and my little daughter. Uh so i am looking forward uh, that uh, this country will give me so much and in, uh, in return i can uh, i can i can give i can be positive and i can g- give good to the country in in return i
4: think uh, there's a lot of people like me who are very uh, uh, annoyed with the americans and very annoyed with uh, nato and the united nations uh, for abandoning the people of uh, afghanistan and particularly abandoning Uh, The girls and women of Afghanistan, uh, the situation uh, that people have been left in in the country uh, is not worth thinking about for people in a a country uh, as modern and contemporary and wealthy as this country. But that is uh, the case. Uh, uh, And you mentioned your wife and your daughter. I'm sure they were a driving factor in you deciding to leave Afghanistan.
9: I'm I'm happy they're they're safe, uh, with, to whom I left them to my relatives, my parents. Uh, but uh, looking into th- the future, uh, right now the world may have heard that uh, in Afghanistan, education has been banned after six standards for girls. Uh, I cannot imagine my daughter to be what uh, what I have seen here, what I have been through. Uh, my wife and my children, I, like I, in the future I will be having a family. How can I imagine my, 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 my family to be in, in a situation? I, after I in, When I was in Afghanistan, I didn't know about the, the external world. But since I came here, I have gone through so much. I have seen people, what people are doing and what we are doing. It's very heartbreaking, not only for me, but for my people, for my country. Uh, we are so backward due to the war and all this. Uh, so I'm looking forward that I can change that uh, that uh, that part of my life for my family. Uh, they can start a new life, and I'm I, I see myself as a hope for them.
4: People uh, in Afghanistan are are facing starvation. They're facing famine. Uh, and this uh, policy that the Taliban has uh, adopted has resulted not just in girls not going to school or women to work, but it also means that humanitarian aid workers uh, who helped bring food into the country to stop people from starving, can't work in Afghanistan. It is a deplorable place. But there's probably people listening to us in of Fekin today saying, why
9: didn't you stay and fight a young, strong man like you? As you can see. We have been fighting for 43 years. So, how long people do expect us to fight further? We have given so 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 many of our loved ones. So many of our loved ones have fought that that war. So, why why should I sacrifice myself? and my, my 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 closed ones also. Let them live free. It's like uh, st- we say. Either fight the war if you can, but if it is the system, the system is taken over. It is all the whole government. How can I fight the government? How can my, like ten or thousand people? They cannot fight the government. It's not. It's not. The world is not recognizing this government. It's like a regime. How can you fight a regime? Would you be in danger if you were to return to Afghanistan? Well, that's. Uh, the, the, I, I have discussed that with the, the immigration office, and. Uh, Definitely, I have uh, problems. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm here for.
4: We uh, hear that people are shot randomly, uh, randomly executed in Afghanistan. Uh, Have you seen that?
9: You cannot guarantee your life there. So
4: you've come here for sanctuary, for international protection, uh, and you're uh, hoping um, to get refuge in this country, and you've been here now for some time. I know that... um, people will uh, know your face. Uh, They may not recognize your voice in the radio, but they'll know your face uh, because you've been on the internet uh, and you feel uh, as though you've been used. Uh, And and I think you're very hurt by what happened uh, because of a right-wing group that came out here to speak to you and did so under false pretenses. Uh,
9: I will not talk too much about that, but... uh uh, I was told that uh, some people are out there. There, there came to raise voice for the um, refugees, to help them. But uh, when I saw that on internet, everything was twisted. Uh, I, I, I talked for good, but in, but uh, in, on the internet, everything was so much twisted that people started hating me for what I said. But uh, the, the reality was that we really appreciate the Irish government, the Irish people. They have been so good, and. Uh, what i believe is that what i heard on the internet what people talked about me that's really a minority of the people uh seeing in person or uh, in 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 the, in the in the in this area how welcoming people are that, that's what means to us. that's what that's what matter so i'm not so much concerned about the, that video and that thing about the reaction of the people
4: Okay and there's some procedures here I'm told uh overnight there's 24 hour security uh, the gate is locked uh what happens if you want to leave uh, you seem like a, a very tall gentleman to me but also a very gentle gentleman to me uh, and you wouldn't cause me any concern uh, but uh, there are some precautions that are are being taken I'm told because people are a little bit concerned they've questions and that sort of thing uh, so let's say you want to walk from here up to the supermarket uh to buy a,
9: a packet of crisps what's the procedure then what do you have to do when you're leaving since uh, uh, the, the, there is no boundaries to us lad. there is security for us uh, we, we have to go and the, the management uh, t- uh, writes our names the, the, the particular person is outside when we come in uh, so they, they know uh, we, we come and tell them where we are back there is no boundaries when we go out when we come back uh, we do everything on time. When when there is the shop for the, 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 for the time, we go shopping. When there is time for sleep, we come sleep. We come eat, and we are we are further looking to take care of our health. And um, I I would love if we, if we can we can do volunteer work in the society so we can be part of the society and uh, we can we we can do we can be like more more part of the society.
4: Very good. Uh, so you have to sign in and sign out, and I think that's important information for people listening to us this morning. You don't leave the triple house without writing your name in the book and the time, and the same when you return. Uh, so there's a, a record of your movements. Rightly or wrongly, that's just the situation. Uh, you're a tall, strong-looking man, as I said, and I don't mean to be patronising you. Uh, are you interested in the Irish sports at all?
9: Because the Feckins, the local GAA club, might be looking for some players. I would love to be part of the, the, the sports and fitness back uh, home. Um, it is a trend to do uh, bodybuilding and all this so I've been doing that all, all, all the time in there so in here I would love to do some sports best on my height, uh, basketball or any sports yeah. <laughs> will be preferable Great stuff, well look it's a real pleasure to meet you as I say thank you for inviting me
4: into your new home here in the Triple House uh, I've had many lovely meals in here over the years and I hope you do and I hope you uh, have a, a happy and
9: peaceful life in this country and thank you for talking to me Thank you so much, thank Thank you very, uh, thank you very much. You've been so kind to us, and uh, you're welcome.
0: Michael Reed on LMFM.
4: Hello, Max. Uh, thanks uh, for taking a couple of minutes to sit down and talk to me here in your new home in the Triple House in Fekin. Uh, tell me where you're from. I'm
10: from Nigeria, to be precise. Okay, and um, what
4: made you leave Nigeria?
10: Well, um, I fled Nigeria because of um, the calamity, because of the bad governance because of the hate you know you are not allowed to really exercise your human rights you know you've been controlled by the the system you know and um, if you go online now you see that there's a lot of um, terrorism in Nigeria to be precise like the Boko Haram for example you know the northern part of Nigeria there's a lot of killing going on there and um, there's a lot of poverty people are really suffering and, um, for that reason, and I also have my own, um, personal reason why I really fled Nigeria, which, uh, I explained to the high people immediately I came into Thailand, highland. So I heard that Thailand is a good place and uh, the people are welcoming and, um, the people are homely and so far I've seen love from people around me. They've shown me love, they've showed me kindness and, um. For a very long time, I think I feel like, you know, I'm living a life I really want to live, you know, so far. and. Um,
4: very good. C- can you tell me, I hope you don't mind me asking, do you want to tell me what your personal reason for leaving is?
10: Well, when I say personal, I mean it's personal because I don't want to lie about it. So I think I'll keep it personal.
4: Okay, I think I might be able to guess because I think Nigeria is a, a dangerous country for some people. Um, Would Nigeria be a dangerous place for you to live, uh, to be yourself in?
10: Well, as it stands now, like I said, uh, I came for a reason. I fled for a reason. So it's really going to be a bad place for me to go back to other moments because um, my life has been endangered. So...
4: Okay. People want to know, why are you not in Nigeria fighting against all of these evil people? Why are, are, are you not in the army there? They say things like you're of military age. What age are you, by the way? What? What age are you? I'm 32. You're 32. So you're a young man. Why Why? why are you not fighting against uh, the Nigerian regime?
10: Well, um, you can only fight what you're capable of fighting, you know, because... Um, Some of the fights you want to fight, the government are involved, you know, and um, as a young man, you won't want to endanger your life because you're fighting a fight that you can't really, you can't really win, you know, so because the government are involved in it. So for that reason, I don't think it's going to be a good fight, though I would have loved to fight, but... Uh, it won't be a good fight for me.
4: Let me ask you one last question, Max, if I I can, because you're here in the triple house in Terminfecken with 43 men. Uh, People, some people, not many people, a small amount of people who live locally are saying, that's like a little army in Terminfecken. Uh, Is it a little army? Uh, uh, And is it safe in Terminfecken now for girls and women, or should they be concerned at all of these men who've come here?
10: Well, um, I think... um they have their own reason to be concerned and to be worried, but uh, I think uh, they are just being fearful, and fear is what you really don't know about, you know. It's an unforeseen incident that is yet to happen, so they should give people the, the benefit of doubt, you know, to really, you know, prove to them that we are not here to really cause any mayhem or any chaos to the society. You know, we are here to see how we can contribute to the growth and um, development of the society. Like me in personal, I already um, registered to a volunteer group and um, they've gotten back to me and even had a Zoom meeting with them. So they give me an appointment and I'm gonna meet up with them and um, See how I can contribute in my own little way to the society and see how to make things better.
4: Well, look, can I wish you the best of luck in your new home in the Triple House, in your new country uh, in Ireland, in Term and uh, and uh, I hope you have many happy, safe years here. All
10: right, thank you very much.
4: And thank you indeed uh, as well to Mary, who sent us a text this morning saying, you are dispelling fears by speaking to the men in the Triple House. The government should have a meet and greet when asylum seekers or refugees move into an area. This would mean that the opportunity uh, for spreading false information uh, and circulating that through social media would end. I cannot believe the amount of hate and fear that is being spread on a a Facebook page about what's happening in Term and uh, Let some more things a uh, list some more things that the men need, please, and thank you, Michael, for introducing these men to us, Mary well, it was a real pleasure, the real gentlemen, very just young boys, most of them um, to an old lad like me, uh but a really nice group of fellows uh if you're in Terman Fekin, I'd suggest you pop in and meet them, uh, ask them to play a game of football uh <laughs> go for a walk down bring bring them down to the beach, one of the best beaches in the world um I don't know. Uh, They're looking for clothes, I do know that. Uh, We heard they're looking uh, to uh, find activities, sports uh, and stuff like that. You might have some ideas yourself. They say they want to volunteer uh, to help out in the community and uh, to occupy their day. Uh, So um, as for the fears uh, that people are expressing, well, uh, as you heard in the interviews, the gate is closed at night. There's a security guard there at night. And as the men come in and out of the triple house, they have to sign in and out and their movements are being monitored in that way. And we hope that that helps uh, to alleviate some of the concerns and indeed to rubbish some of the lies that have been spread about some of the people coming to this country. Uh, We had an email from Danny who said, what was that nonsense yesterday? Your nasty comparison of anti-immigration attitudes with the unemployed is disgusting and contemptible. Painting all unemployed people with this virulent far-right Fascist image is disgusting and, in itself, a fascist attitude. Your parroting of this rotten opinion is now unfortunately common in MSM. What's MSM? And many political circles, and you're screaming about not allowing fascists on your show as a joke. Uh, Well, I'm not painting all unemployed people like that. I'm just saying that I can't imagine that any of the people uh, who go on with this stuff have ever... Or ha- earned uh, an honest day's work had an honest day's work or, or earned uh, an honest day's work uh, and indeed they've got so much time in their hands you would have to assume um, that there's a reason for that uh, but thank you Danny. A lot of comments came to us today that we don't have time for today but we will come to them, t- to them tomorrow thanks if you've been in touch and God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am on
3: LMFM. Good morning, bye bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel
4: style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen